So good morning, everyone. Sorry to create a little tension in your life, uh, but maybe, maybe you've been in a conversation like that. Like maybe you recognize that. I could hear some of the ladies going, yeah, give it to them. And I could hear some of the guys going, yeah, but what about that? So maybe you've been in the pain of marital conflict or Maybe you've been in a conversation at work that didn't go very well, like it got really intense and you weren't sure what to do with it. Maybe you got in a conversation with somebody at school and it got so bad that you just didn't know how to resolve it, like you were at at a loss, like what do I do now? Like we're going nowhere. Well, if you're new with us this morning, My name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're going to be wrapping up a series that we've been in over the past few weeks together. It's a conflict resolution series called Fight to Win. And the reality for all of us is that we all have conflict. It's something that happens for each and every one of us. We get into arguments or disagreements. We get into fights at home, at school, at work, and yes, even at church. And so all of us know what it's like to be in conflict. But many of us don't know what it's like to resolve those conflicts in a way that honors God. And that's where the fight to win comes in. See, God comes along and says, listen, I know you're going to have conflict, so I want you to learn how to fight to win in that relationship. I want you to value that relationship so much that you'll get beyond that spot where you go, listen, like at the end of this this conversation here, the couple walks away and says, we're done, we can't do this. And often that's what we do when we get into conflict at that level. We get so intense and we just say, like, it's, it's over. We're done. We can't resolve this. Let's just figure out how to part our lives. And yet God says, I want you to push through that. I want you to learn how to fight for this relationship. This relationship is so valuable. Unity is so valuable to God. He says, you can actually win this. If you learn to apply my principles, you can fight through this stuff and strengthen your relationships. So that's what we've been trying to learn in this series, how to fight for relationships in a way that God would fight for us and how to strengthen our relationships the way that God desires. Now, if you've missed any of the messages in this series, I encourage you to go and listen to them again. Uh, You can go to our website, theepicchurch.com, or you can download them from our iTunes account And whether you're in conflict right now or will be in conflict in a month or in six months, this is one of those series that'll be beneficial to go back and listen to again and again, because we need the the information here that can help us resolve conflict in a way that that really honors God. Now, today we're going to start by looking at one more critical aspect of conflict resolution, and then we're going to dive in, and I'm going to do my best to answer the question... What do you do when you've been working hard to apply all these principles, you've been working hard to apply these things that God says in scripture, and it doesn't seem to be working? What do you do then? What do you do when you want so badly to resolve this conflict and strengthen your relationship, and the other person says, no thanks? What do you do when you're working so hard at this thing, and you want so badly to resolve it, and yet for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to be working? So we're going to spend a bulk of our time on that today. Now, let me just remind you of a few things that we've learned so far in this series, and these are the things that we should be doing anytime we're trying to resolve conflict with someone else. And we learned that the first thing that we should do is pause and pray. 
So before we rush in and, and tell that person what we think, but before we get amped up and power up on them, before we freak out and start panicking over the fact that we have conflict to resolve, we should pause and pray. We should say, God, what do you want me to, to know as I walk into this? How do you want me to approach this person? Lord, what do you want me to say? Like, what, what are your words in this? Not just my words, but what are your words? How do you want me to resolve this issue in a, in a way that will really strengthen our relationship? So we need to pause and pray before anything else. And then once we've paused and prayed, then we need to go directly to that person that we're having conflict with. Imagine that. Imagine that being God's strategy, how, how life-shattering that really can be. I mean, like that's brand new information for most of us because most of us don't do that. Most of us don't go directly to the person that we're in conflict with. We go to somebody else in the office and talk uh, you know, a bad about that person behind their back or maybe somebody else in the family or we get on the phone and call a friend or, we, you know, we like to go on Facebook. Facebook's not good. It's not a good environment for resolving conflict. So God says go directly to that person and resolve the issue that you're having with them. Talk specifically to them, privately to them. Do it quickly and, and do it quietly. And then when we go and talk with that person, we should speak the truth in love to them. We should state the problem clearly. We should work hard to stay calm. And I know that's hard, but we got to stay calm. We're not going to be able to resolve conflict when we're yelling and screaming. We're bent out of shape. So conflicts are best resolved when we're calm. We need to listen to their side of the story. We need to take responsibility for our part of the conflict. And then we need to work to find a solution that creates a win for all of us. And those are things that we've talked about so far in this series. Now, in addition to those things, another critical element of conflict resolution is this thing called forgiveness. So if we're really going to be able to resolve conflict in a way that strengthens our relationships, we have to forgive each other. We have to forgive people who have hurt us. So listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. That's a major statement. You know, when, when we are wrestling with whether to forgive someone, that should come to our mind. Like if we say, listen, I refuse to forgive you. Guess what we're saying? We're saying, God, it's okay for you to not forgive me for the, the stuff that I've caused to other people, the pain I've caused to someone else, the pain I've caused to you. So that should get our attention when forgiveness is required in a relationship. Now, let me explain a few things about forgiveness that we don't fully understand. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. Okay, sometimes we get that backwards. Sometimes we don't understand what that means. But forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. So you can forgive someone and still not trust someone. So let's say that you were abused by someone in your life. Let's say that you were abused physically, uh, maybe emotionally, maybe sexually by someone. You can forgive them and still not trust them. And again, sometimes we get that mixed up in our minds. Sometimes we think if I forgive someone, then that means I have to go back into or I have to stay in an unhealthy relationship. Sometimes we think forgiveness helps us to keep a, a barrier between us and them, and it does, but it's not a good barrier. 
So we can forgive someone, and that doesn't mean you have to stay in an unhealthy relationship. That doesn't mean you have to go back into an unhealthy relationship. Sometimes we also think that forgiveness means that we're communicating to that person that what they did to us was okay. That was an okay thing to do. They hurt us, and if I forgive them, it means I'm saying it's okay that you did what you did, and that's not what forgiveness means. It doesn't mean that doesn't mean you're saying that, that their bad behavior is okay. When we forgive, it just sets us free from carrying the weight that we're carrying. And a refusal to for, forgive is like this. It's like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. You know how weird that is? We do that all the time. I mean, we hold that anger and bitterness in our inside and we bottle it up and it just starts fuming out in places that we don't want it to come out and we think we're in control of it and we're trying to direct it at that person hoping that they get sick and, and they feel horrible and we just get sicker and sicker, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. God says, don't do that. In order for you to move forward, you need to forgive them. And that doesn't mean you're saying everything they did was okay. That doesn't mean you have to go back in that relationship. You're just forgiving them so you can move forward. Forgiveness is a critical piece of that conflict resolution process. So for us to resolve conflict, God wants us to ask for forgiveness and he wants us to give forgiveness. He wants us to do for others what he has done for us. So who might you need to forgive? So who in your life might you need to forgive? Maybe a parent, maybe a child, maybe a sibling, maybe a boss, a coworker, another student at school, a coach, maybe a teacher. Like who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to, to cut off your back? I mean, it's like you're carrying them around on your back like extra weight. Who do you need to set free so that you can be free? Who might you need to forgive? And on the flip side of that, who might you need to ask forgiveness of? Is there anybody in your life right now that you know, like, I got to go to them. I need to ask forgiveness. Because what I did was wrong. I mean, I hurt them. And God wants us to go directly to those people he wants us to have a conversation where we're specific about what we did. He wants us to take responsibility for that, for those actions. He wants us to humble ourselves and to ask them to forgive us. So who might you need to do that with today? Now, there are a few situations, rare situations, where going directly to that person is not recommended. There are, are moments where if you go directly to that person, you might cause more unnecessary pain for them. Let me just give you an example. So let's say that, that maybe you had done something very hurtful to someone you dated maybe in high school. And let's say it's years later now. And uh, that person is married, has kids. And you going to that person to say, hey, I'm really sorry for this hurt, very hurtful thing that I did to you back here when their spouse doesn't know you, their kids don't know you, they don't know anything about you. And you jumping back in, into their world is going to open up a whole bunch of stuff for them that they don't want opened. Um, there are some rare situations that it would be recommended that you just work your conflict forgiveness issues out between you and God. You just say, God, like I need, I need help resolving this here. 
Lord, I pray that you would work with that person and help them to understand. I hope that they can forgive me one day. But again, those situations are rare. Majority of the time, God wants us to go directly to the people that we've hurt and ask them for forgiveness. So do you need to do that? And if so, will you do that today? Now, what do we do when all this stuff that we've been talking about in this series doesn't work? So what do we do if you've gone to that person a hundred times and asked for forgiveness and they won't give it? And what do you do when you've given forgiveness to someone and they're like, I don't need that. Like, I, don't, I didn't do anything really that bad to hurt you. I don't need your forgiveness. What do we do when we're working so hard to resolve conflict, but it just doesn't seem to be working? Well, the first thing that I think we need to do is to make sure that we're really applying God's principles, all right? So we can't try it for one conversation and go, well, that doesn't work, all right? So we have to become lifelong students of applying God's principles. We've got to do it day in and day out. We have to stay so committed to applying God's principles that it's a lifestyle thing for us. It's not just something that we pull out every once in a while when nothing else works. Oh yeah, maybe I should try God's strategy because mine doesn't seem to be working. No, we should apply God's strategy always. And stay committed to that regardless of what somebody else is going to do, whether it seems like it's working or not. But again, what do we do when we're working so hard to resolve conflict and it doesn't seem to be doing anything? Well, to answer that, we've got to go back to Matthew chapter 18, a passage that we looked at several weeks ago, pick back up uh, where we left off there. Uh, And Matthew 18, verse 16 says that if you're going directly to the person that you're in conflict with, and if that doesn't work, then here's the strategy. Then take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything that you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. So again, God's strategy, God's brilliant strategy is if you're in conflict with someone else and the two of you can't resolve it, then you should find some other people that can help you resolve that and invite them into that conflict conversation so that they can help you get to the resolution side of that. Now, let me tell you the type of person or the type of people that you're looking for at this level of conflict resolution. You're not looking for your best friend that already hates them. That's not good. All right, we're not looking for anybody that agree with you first, okay? We are looking for a neutral person, a neutral party. We're looking for people that care more about what God thinks than what you think. We're looking for somebody that will hear what needs to be said and will point you both towards Jesus. That's the kind of person, that's the kind of people that we're looking for. And uh, these people can play a critical role in helping us to resolve issues that desperately need to be resolved. Now, my wife and I, have used this strategy in our marriage on several occasions. So there have been times when my wife and I have been in conflict with each other and we couldn't resolve it. And so we needed help. We need other people to come in and and help us do that. And it's been a very beneficial part of our lives. In fact, you will see on our uh, stage here today, we've got some yellow caution tape uh, on our pallets up here. And that's symbolic for the times that I would bring conflict up in a small group environment that my wife and I were in. So uh, here's how it started. So we're in this small group that was just starting. It was a couple's group. 
And I was thinking, you know what? If our group is going to go to where our group needs to go, then I think we need to model for them what it's like to have conflict in front of the group and invite them to help us solve our conflicts. So I thought, without uh, consulting my wife first, so a key part of this story here, so I thought, hey, I'll just bring up, here we are in group, I'll just bring up our last argument, and I'll ask the rest of the group to help us resolve it. Okay, I never said I was the smartest guy in the room, okay? So I'm just telling you what I did. So I brought up this subject, and my poor wife was caught totally off guard. She was not prepared for this conversation. You know, it took her a second to kind of catch on what what I was trying to do. And after that really awkward small group moment, our leaders got out some yellow caution tape and put it over the seat that we were sitting in. And the group joke became, don't sit in that seat or you'll have conflict. And it was really kind of a cool strategy because people showed up early to get in the right seat. Nobody wanted to sit on that couch. And anybody that showed up late and sat on that couch, guess what? They had conflict. I'm not sure what happened with that, but it was fantastic. Now, here's the cool thing that happened out of that besides my wife not killing me that night. Um, The cool thing was that our group started to learn how to resolve conflict together. We started to learn how to listen to other people's conflict and how to point them back towards Jesus. And it was just amazing to watch that transformation in our group as we began to learn, like, here's what I'm really hearing here. Here's what I'm seeing you doing. Here's what I'm seeing you doing. And here's the truth that I think that God wants for you. So very beneficial thing that happened in our lives and in that group. And the cool thing is that we all need that. God knows that. That's why he has this in his plan. We all desperately need other people to help us get unstuck in those moments where we get stuck. And I'm so grateful for a small group that engaged that. I'm grateful for a group that said, listen, we'll go there. We'll learn how to do this. We'll learn how to speak truth and love in in this context. Now, I think some of you may need to do that right now. I think right now, maybe you've got conflict with somebody else where you're stuck and you don't know how to move forward and you need help. You need somebody else to come in and help you get unstuck. So I encourage you to find someone today, a neutral person that can help you get unstuck. But what do we do if that doesn't work? What do we do if, if we're working hard to invite others in And that doesn't resolve our conflict. Well, God's strategy continues. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 17, it says, if the person still refuses to listen, then take your case to the church. Now, let me tell you how that applies here at Epic. So if two people are in in conflict, then those two people should come to a church leader, bring their conflict issue there. And that can be an elder, can be pastoral staff, it can be a ministry leader if that conflict is happening in the context of that ministry. And they're to bring that conflict issue and a church leader then will listen to the, the sides of the story that are presented and will give their best godly advice for those two people to help resolve their issues there. And I've had the privilege of being a part of that process on several occasions. And I got to tell you, brilliant strategy from God. Church leaders, our responsibility is to care more about what God thinks than what people think. 
And at the same time, our responsibility is to care for people growing in their relationship with God. And so we have a responsibility to speak truth and love and bring unity in relationships that are broken. So a brilliant strategy that, uh, that may need to happen um, in your context. Maybe you get to a spot where you're like, hey, this isn't working, and we need to go to a church leader to help resolve this. But some of you are thinking like, hey, what if that other person doesn't go to church here, doesn't go to church at all? What if they're not a Christ follower? What if they could care less about that? Well, Jesus was talking in that moment about a church context. So if that other person that you're in conflict with is not a Christ follower, I'm not guessing that they would be willing to go to a church leader with you. I'm thinking they're probably going, yeah, go by yourself, have fun. Uh, So that may not work in that context But we'll get back to that specific thing in a moment. Now, if going to a church leader doesn't work, God's strategy continues. God's brilliant. And verse 17 continues. It says, then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. All right? Now, let's think for a moment. Not about how you would want to treat a corrupt tax collector. Let's think how God would want Christ followers to treat a corrupt tax collector. So how does God want us to treat anybody outside of the family of God? How does God want us to treat what in that context is called a pagan, what in that context is called someone who's doing something that we would all say, ooh, that's terrible? God wants us to treat them with love, respect, dignity, grace, And sometimes Christians read that and think, hey, there's a verse that means that I can treat someone badly. Not true. That's not what that means. In that context, God's saying, listen, now you got to see that person as if they're outside of my family. And what do I want you to do with everybody outside of my family? Love them towards my family. So we can't just treat people badly just because, hey, they didn't listen to what the church leaders said. We've got to love them in a direction back towards God. But again, not everyone's going to listen to what a church leader has to say. Not everyone is going to want to follow what that, that guidance will be. So how do we handle conflict with someone inside or outside the church who continually refuses to resolve conflict? Well, Romans twelve eighteen says this. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So God wants you and I to do all that we can to resolve the conflicts that are happening around us. And I think that's why God wants us to go directly to that person. I think that's why God wants us to make sure that we're prayed up before going. That's why God wants us to speak the truth in love, to listen to what they have to say, to apologize for our part of it, to forgive the other person for their faults, to ask for forgiveness for the stuff that we've done. And God wants us to work hard to find a solution that creates a win for both of us. And those are the things that God wants us to do. He wants us to work hard to uh, resolve those conflicts, do everything we can to live in peace with others. But there's only so much that we can do We can't do our part and their part. If the other person doesn't want to resolve conflict, if they don't want to apply God's principles, we're not going to be able to make them do that. We've got to leave that between them 
and God. And at that moment, we are free. We can stand before God with clear conscience saying, God, I've done everything that you've asked me to do. As long as we've done that, then God says you can, can feel confident knowing that you're living in peace with everyone, that you've done all that you can. So you and I are only responsible for our part of it. Again, if the other person says, I will not forgive you, that's between them and God. If the other person says, I refuse to resolve this, that's their issue. And they're going to have to talk directly to God about that one. Once we've done our part, we're free to move forward with a clear conscience between us and God. Now, here's a truth that can set us free from some of the conflicts that we are having uh, or have had or may have in the future. We aren't going to be able to resolve conflict with everyone. It's just not possible. It's not possible to do that. I mean, we should try. We should do everything we can, but it isn't always going to work. People aren't always going to respond the way that we want them to. Some people will just refuse to resolve conflict. And with those people, we have to trust them to God. We have to say, listen, I'm not carrying the weight of this anymore. We have to free ourselves up from that. If we've done our part, then we need to move forward in peace. And there are some people that are so unhealthy that it's just not going to be possible to resolve conflict with them. In those moments, that may mean that you have to trust God with a child who refuses to respond. You may have to trust God with a spouse who says, I I could care less if you apply God's principles. You may have to bite your tongue every time your boss walks into your office to say something and it just stirs stuff in you and you want to say something back. You just may have to bite your tongue knowing you're not going to be able to resolve conflict with everyone. We should pray for those people because everyone can change. I mean, everyone can change. It is really, really is possible for everyone to change. That person you think will never change, it's possible for them to change. So we should pray for them. And we should always point them towards Jesus. And we should always apply God's principles in every conflict situation, whether the other person does or not. But again, we're not going to be able to resolve conflict with everyone. Now, this can be some sad news for some of you. Some of you so badly want this to work out. This may be a family member you're talking about. And you so badly want this to work out. You so badly want this relationship restored, but we can't make someone apply God's principles. It's not possible, and we shouldn't. God doesn't want us to do that, so we have to trust those people to God. And for some of you, this may not be sad news. I mean, you may be sad about the broken relationship, but this may be actually good news for you where you can actually say, you know what? I think I've done everything that I can. And now I feel a new freedom to move forward with God. Again, if you've done everything that you can, you should move forward in peace with God. 
Now, for those of you who would like some more practical advice on that, like, like maybe you're stuck in that and you just want a little bit more practical advice to help you get unstuck, there's some great resources out there for you. And I've put a list of those on our Spiritual Growth Challenge. Uh, so it's just a document that we make available each week that takes uh, our messages to a little deeper level for those who want to dig deeper and explore that. So I've got some book recommendations that I think it'd be great for you to get a copy of this week and start reading through those and help you understand how to move forward in peace when somebody else is refusing to resolve conflict. So you can pick up a copy of that from our Connection Center or you can download it later from our website uh, this afternoon. Now, at the beginning of this series, I told you that we were going to celebrate communion today. And, and we're prepared for that. And I encourage you to do whatever you could to resolve whatever conflicts were out there that you might have so that as you come to communion, you can take communion with a clear conscience between you and God. And we looked at this in the beginning of the series that when we come to communion, what we are saying to God is, I'm okay with you. Everything between you and I is okay. And I'm okay with other people. Everything between me and other people around me is okay. I've done all, all that I can to live at peace with people. So that's what communion is all about. It's about unity in the body of Christ, unity with us and God, unity with us and other people. Um, and some of you have resolved conflicts this past week. Some of you have gone out and done that work. You've had that conversation and you're now ready to take communion with a whole new understanding of what it means. And I'm, I'm glad for you if you've done that. But some of you might say, you know what? I, I started that process, but there's still more work to do. There's still more to go. I, I, it's not done. I still have some unresolved issues that I need to take. And maybe you're not quite ready to take communion today. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to uh, read through a passage that talks about communion, and, and then I'm going to pray. And when I, I pray, you're going to be free to do several things. If you are ready to take communion, then you'll be free to get up and come to one of these stations. We have two up front, two in the back. You'll be free to come and take communion. Uh, but if you're not ready to take communion, then here's what I want you to hear. No one's going to care that you stay seated. Here's what God cares about. God cares more that you resolve the issues of conflict that you have with someone else than he cares about you taking communion. And you'll hear that this morning again. God wants you to resolve those issues before you come to him in a communion element and say, I'm okay with you and I'm okay with everybody else. So conflict resolution is so important to God. If you need to stay seated and just talk to God, that's very appropriate. It's very okay for you to do that. Now, if you're in conflict with someone in this room, which might have happened this morning. You may have conflict coming in. You may have conflict. You had some conflict already this morning. There may be somebody that you had conflict with a few weeks ago and you don't really like them and they're not really liking you right now. Maybe right now is the time for you to resolve that. So in just a moment, Evan's gonna come out and he's gonna lead us through a communion song and maybe what you need to do during this song is get up and go talk to that person and say, hey, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Let's try to resolve this. Let's try to work this out. So again, if you've got conflict with somebody in this room, whether they're sitting next to you or they're across the room, maybe you need to resolve that now. If you need prayer, 
we have several people in uh, the back of the room over here. So there's going to be several people on this side of the room in the back that will be available to you for prayer. So if you need to pray with someone during this song, you can get up and just head in that direction, and there'll be some folks back there um, that will say, hey, how can I pray with you? So maybe you need to go back and and just spend some time in prayer. Maybe you need to to pray with someone for trusting someone else, else to God. You've done all that you can, and you just want to talk to with someone else to God about that. And a reminder, if you've done everything that you can to resolve conflict with that person in your life, then you're free to take communion this morning. Again, that was in Romans 12, 18. That's our responsibility to all that we can. And if you've done that, you can take communion this morning. So maybe this morning you need to go back and pray with someone um, before coming up to take communion or instead of taking communion. So after I pray, you're going to be free to do several things. Again, take communion, stay at your seat in prayer, resolve conflict with somebody else in this room, or go in the back and pray with someone. Now, if you choose to take communion today, again, we have four uh, stations where you can do that, two up front and two in the back. And after I pray, you're going to be free to get up from your seat and move to one of these stations. And as you come forward, you're going to see a tray, several trays, and there's going to be a tray with bread on it and a tray with juice on it. And I encourage you to take a piece of that bread and take one of the cups of that juice. And that bread represents Christ's body, which is broken for us. And that juice represents Christ's blood, which was poured out for us. And what I encourage you to do is, as you come up, just take those elements, step to the side for a moment, and pause and pray. And thank God for fighting to win, fighting to resolve the conflicts that we have created in our relationship between us and him, just pause for a quick moment. God, I thank you for resolving the conflict that I've created. And then go ahead and take the elements there, and then you can go ahead and sit back down uh, and join Evan as he's singing this last song, okay? All right, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 23, it says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Verse 27 So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. So let's pray together. Lord, communion is a a very special moment for us, Lord, a very special opportunity for us to uh, come and talk to you about our relationship. It's a special opportunity for us to be reminded of the unity that exists in the Trinity relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and we are invited into that relationship. And so, Lord, you don't want us bringing a bunch of junk in that. Lord, you want us, when we come to communion, to be able to say, God, I've done everything that I know to do to live at peace with you. 
and have done everything that I know to do to live at peace with other people around me. So Lord, today, some people have done that. Some people have gone out and resolved conflict issues and they're here today ready to take communion, ready to celebrate the way that you fought for us, the way that you have resolved conflict with us, the way that you have forgiven us. And Lord, others are not quite ready for that. There may be some that still have a broken relationship that they're working on to resolve. They know they still have a few more things to do, and, but maybe they need to go pray with somebody. Maybe they need to just sit where they are and pray. Maybe they need to get up right now and go talk to somebody in this room about that and resolve an issue. Lord, whatever you want those people to do, I pray that they would respond to your direction in their lives. Lord, I thank you for being such a God who loves us so much that you would send Jesus to come and clean up the mess that we created, to fight for us so that we could be back in a right relationship with you. So Lord, I pray that today as we take communion that we would understand it in a whole new way. Thank you, Jesus, for dying so we can live. Help us to always fight hard to resolve the conflicts around us. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. You are free to do whatever you need to do in this moment. So thank you, everybody, just for taking the time and um, just taking that moment to appreciate what Jesus has done for us, just sacrificing himself for us. Uh, my name is Cody Anderson, and I'm the leader of our student ministry, Surge. And uh, I have a few announcements for us before you guys head out for the day. If you could just pick up those announcement sheet next to you, I'll guide you through some important things that we have going on. Now, if you're new with us today, thank you so much for attending. Um, if you could, just stop at the Connection Center at the back corner there. We just want to personally meet you um, and just answer any questions that you may hear, have here at Epic. Now, we have some cool stuff happening. Yesterday, we had an awesome group come out for our Habitat build. So if you could give it up for everybody that showed up there. What an awesome group. So they were able to start out the framing for one of our own members here. And they should have that home done by Christmas from what I hear. So just thank you um, for the great start on Jennifer's home. Now, another way that you can partner with us in changing lives here at Epic is through giving. And there's two ways that you could do that. You could do that online at theepicchurch.com, or you, can, uh, or you can give in the giving boxes right behind the seats behind you. Now, I have another announcement for you, so check this out up here. I haven't seen that video yet. That looks pretty awesome. I may have to get in a group here. So we have community groups are actually starting for men, women, and couple. Um, and if you've been through starting points, so if you could, there's a card next to you uh, for the community groups. If you could pick that up and take a look at it. So on October 5th, we're starting our five-week um, community group experience, which this is an opportunity to be able to grow in your relationship with God and also start out your journey through a community group. Um, so we're going to be meeting, the five-week experience will be meeting at Palm Coast Community Church starting October 5th on a Sunday, and the women and couples group is going to be from 4 o'clock to 5.30, and we are going to have childcare at that moment in time um, for sixth grade and below. Now the men's group is going to be meeting at 7 o'clock to 8.30 on Sundays, um, 
and there will not be childcare provided for that one. But the studies are on the back of that card if you're interested in the studies and learn a little bit more about that. Um, and if you want to register for those and sign up your kids for the childcare, I will be back at the table right by the tech center, or you can go online at theepicchurch.com and you can click on the, start, on the sign up tab. Now, our starting point introduction is right after service. So if you signed up for starting point, the starting point intro, uh, you can go back to the kids area, grab your children, bring them back over here. And about five minutes after the service, you can go into the break area, which is right on the other side of that curtain. You can join us there. Now, next Sunday is our five-year birthday bash that we've been talking about. So we are five years old next Sunday. So we're going to be celebrating. So after second service, right behind here at the park, um, we're going to be having that birthday bash. So bring your friends, bring your chairs, bring comfortable clothes. It's going to be pretty awesome out there. And make sure you have that on your calendars. So everybody, thank you for joining us. Have a great Sunday. And remember the birthday bash next week. You don't want to miss it.